Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everyone. Christmas is fast approaching, which is super depressing, actually. But you know how you can take the edge off? You can buy a copy of Loose Units the book. Uh, you can grab it online at Booktopia. That's actually the cheapest place to get it. Hurry up and get it from Booktopia. But it's it's the reason this podcast exists. Uh, it is something we're both very proud of. So run out now and grab loose units for that special person in your life for this Christmas. Hey folks, just a heads up. The following episode contains extremely triggering and graphic content. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello and welcome to Loose Units. I'm Paul Verhoeven. Sitting across from me is my grizzled ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, do you think grizzled is a fair... No, it's ridiculous. What does it mean? Well, you know, grizzled's like... Grizz- I never... I- Grizzled. It's a compliment. It means, yeah, you know, you got some stubble, you got a bit of an edge to you. Hmm. Give me a look. A grizzled yeah. look. Uh, well, look, at the end of last episode, um, you answered a listener's question in a very strange roundabout way, in a way which I actually don't think answered the question, where you talked about a small town country police officer and uh, there was a crime uh, involving a body and you, in forensics, requested to have the hands sent down so you mm. could fingerprint the hands. Yep. What did that cop do? Well, he um, he thought he'd save on postage. Yep. Which was you've, you've got to at least say that he was thinking. Um, well, well, fuck knows what he was thinking. But it, what we asked to have the pair of hands sent down. Yeah. He decided to save on postage. Maybe he didn't. No, I don't know what he was thinking. But he he took it upon himself to chop every finger off. <laughs> so we get a box of fingers, ten fingers, yeah. and I'll tell you what, we could never identify the person. Right. So because you know the mathematical. Um, Permutations? permutations is that the word i don't know if it's the word dad <laughs> or, How- or computations that anyway it, it would have been trillions of yeah. complex um you know whatever all right so how are they um how are they packaged in a small box ice 
Or the ice would have melted, Paul. So what, like like those packing foam peanut things? Oh, I can't remember. You don't remember what sawdust? <laughs> fuck! Look, it was a fuck up. Shredded newspaper. But what what used to happen? We used to get bodies. Uh, we used to call them floaters, uh, and they were bodies that had been uh, out to sea for some time. Yeah, and they'd come in, and we used to uh, remove the hands. We used to work on them at the morgue, and if it was difficult, we'd take them back to the laboratory. Mm. We had various techniques which we used to employ, which were really, really interesting. And you were off, often improvising and sort of, you know, making up or coming up with with new ideas on ways of getting prints off these hands that were that were moist and sort of weeping, not crying. Just uh, what is weeping, by the way? Just where fluid is continually pouring out of the pores of the skin right and you you can't it's it's just they're wet hands and you can't ink them so you've got to dry them right so prior to me starting at the central fingerprint bureau there was a very famous story of uh one particular detective he had a pair of hands and they were he wanted to dry them out so Mm. he took them up onto the roof of the old uh cib and he left them out there for a few hours (laughs) you ready for this yeah seagulls came down and ate them. No. Yep. Really? True story. Ate the hands. Yep. Well, not all of them. You couldn't. No, there were bits left, but n- not that enough. was a fuck up. So when you say he took the hands up to dry them, yeah, he just left them on the roof. Yeah, but like, where, okay, first of all, how far up the wrist are you cutting? Ah, uh, just just above the wrist. And do you cut it yourself? Yeah, yeah, I've done that many times. You've sawed through some. Not saw. We used to use these kind of secateurs. Oh, gross. Yeah. Oh, Dad, that's gross. Yeah, well, how would you do it? Uh, I wouldn't. No, but if you'd have to. You can't just say, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, <laughs> imagine me just first day of work. No, yeah. this is gross. I'm not doing no, it. No, it is gross, but look, you know. How do you, like, how do you, I mean, this is, I think, a very useful skill to have, but uh, maybe our listeners will benefit from this. How do you turn off the part of your brain that says, that's a person, I shouldn't be cutting their hand off? Um, look, it's been a long time. <laughs> But I can see you already kind of slipping back into... You're shaking your head and you look panicked. No. But d- did you never go, oh, No, boy. there are things I... I don't like the sound that the, you know, the, the secateur makes as it snaps through the bone. I'd be worried if you did, Dad. Mm, that's pretty bad. But, like, you cut through someone's hand, mm. right? And then you put them into a... We used to use plastic bottles yep. with a lid. Because generally they... Or not generally, but quite often they, they may be slightly on the... Uh, They'd have a bit of an odour. So you wait. Okay, so you put the. I mean, I remember I was driving back to the uh, the central fingerprint bureau, and it didn't escape. Believe you me, these things didn't escape me. I looked down to my left, and there, and I'd put a little seatbelt around. Around what? The pair of hands. <laughs> True. Were they? I in, mean, the, hang the, on, were they sharing a jar or one jar each? Uh, no, I th- no, they were. Um, I don't remember. Actually. No, they had their own jar each. Right. So it was a pair of hands. Yeah. Um, and I'd strap them in for the ride back to the... <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I just thought... I looked... I remember the, the, the moment did not escape me, the pathos and the and the weirdness. Mm. Uh, well, that, is that so that you could drive in the carpool? <laughs> No, I didn't use the transit lane because, well, you didn't need to have three people in the car to use a transit lane. Oh, that'd be that'd be that'd be two pairs of hands. Yeah, I guess what I'm asking. Anyway, it was just weird. Yeah, well, I mean, here's what I wanted to know: what other things did you have to do 
to the human body uh, to prep it for your job. I mean, cutting someone's hands off and then drying them on a rooftop, putting them in jars, like the segmentation and partitioning of a human body is really strange. And I don't think it's something people really think about because, Mm. you know, a couple of episodes ago, you, and I'm sorry if this triggers people, you wore, or you or your partner wore a dead boy's hands to fingerprint those hands. Mm. That's something that achieved, it really did achieve something that helped people, right? It's one of those unnecessary, those like those really terrifying things that actually helps people in the long run. Mm. What else did you have to do in that room, uh, you know, hunched over a gurney with secateurs in hand or whatever? Um, okay, that- well, I was given a. Um, there was a uh, person that had passed away in Wollamaloo, suburb in Sydney. Yes, and uh, he his body had gone into fairly early stages of um, of uh, mummification. Um, what does that mean? Where the body starts to dry up. Oh, okay. And it becomes wrinkled and dark. and You know, here, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. I was watching a documentary about the, um, the terrible tsunami that uh, struck uh, Thailand and, and Sri Lanka yeah. some years ago. And a friend of mine, uh, who's, he was involved in the identification. Really? Yeah. And uh, what a lot of people might not realise is that decomposition takes place um, if there's no refrigeration. So if you're talking um, up in, uh, you know, Asian countries or even northern Australia where there's extreme heat and humidity, the um, the putrefaction of a body um, is accelerated rapidly. And believe it or not, Paul, and this I found quite interesting, and that is that um, after a few days, uh, you just can't identify people even if you know them. What do you mean? Uh, the body, they all just end up looking exactly the same. Isn't that weird how you think if someone passes away, we think of it in the West as, not the West, but under under sort of refrigeration type systems, uh, the body maintains its look for as long as you like. So right. if a body's been embalmed, like uh, Mussolini and people like that, you know, bodies that are held in state, they can be, um, they, they, they look the same pretty well. So Mussolini, you know, sixty years later, or Stalin, um, they can they they're held in state behind glass and they still look like the person. Sure. But with decomposition, no refrigeration in a very hot, humid environment, yeah. Within days, you cannot identify the person. You just even if it's your son or daughter or mother or father, you you can't tell. So that's scary. What about dental records? Can that be used? It can be, but. What happens if they've never been to the dentist? What uh, happens if you don't know the dentist yeah. that they were seeing? Yeah. What happens if they saw a dentist overseas and then came back here? I mean, I haven't been to the dentist. I go for a checkup, but mm. I've not had a filling in probably maybe 40 years. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, that's an aside. But um, So I was given this uh, body. I went to the morgue and there was this... And it had started to sort of really, really sort of um, dry out. Yeah. And... I remember looking at the hands and just above the thumb, there's that fairly padded, if you sort of squeeze that skin just there. Oh, yeah, the, the, yes. Whatever that is here. But that's but inside it, there was like a bit of a hole and I could see some tendons, but there were maggots still inside. Oh, Jesus. And God. I had to uh, take the, the hands off the body where I used, um, you know, as I described before, some sort of cutting implement, secateurs. Yep. And um, I took them back to the uh, laboratory and I had to identify them. So what I decided, they were incredibly wrinkled and semi-mummified. And then I 
I sort of, you're thinking laterally all the time and I came up with a bit of a technique where if I wet the fingers, I could get some form back into them. And um, then I'd done some research on a process called the microtome process and that's where they take slivers, micro slivers of skin. Yeah. They inject a dye into it and that's called histology. And then I had this bit of an idea where I could actually get some form back into the finger. So what I did, I got a rubber band and I put it between the two digits and I tightened the band on the finger. Which would have... uh, Stopped any fluid. And then what I did, I then injected with a syringe into the top section of the finger, into the pad, and I kind of injected it, similar to embalming, where it gave it form again. Like plumped it up or something? Plumped it up. Yep. And then I took it down to the histology department of the Division of Forensic Medicine, and they froze the finger. Oh, wow. And then they took slivers, a little bit like if you go to a small goods, like a a delicatessen, and they use that big machine, and they slice big chunks of salami oh. and they and, and it peels off a like a, a segment of meat yeah. well this was peeling off an incredibly thin uh, segment of the skin yeah. and what I did I then put it between two bits of glass I then took that back to the laboratory and I used that as uh, as a negative mm. and I projected it down onto photographic paper and I managed to uh, get a partial print and I wrote a small paper so that was pretty exciting. And Have I seen that? I think I've seen... Okay, when I was growing up... Yes, you're, a, you're a, right. Yeah, you I remember. S- I saw a dyed uh, you're fingerprint... You're right. How incredible. Wedge between glass. That's it. And what's weird is in science, Shit. In science class in biology, they made us uh, you know, dye, like we'd peel off an onion skin and mm. dye it, mm. and we put it between glass, and I always felt really uneasy looking at that. That's weird, Paul, because... Wow, that's... Though I actually... I must have taken that home as part of my... You did. ...incredible collection of, you know... Yeah. Interesting stuff. That- and you mentioned a, a couple of episodes ago that um, that Grandpa, uh, what was he? He edited some mm. stuff for the police. He, he, he ended up doing a lot of editing for probably ten years. Did you Australian. get? In, did you get in that gig? Yeah. You really? Yeah, I got it for him. So technically speaking, you worked with your dad on a police-related project as well. Mm. Oh, this is starting to become a generational thing, isn't mm. it? And he was a really, really, uh, really great editor. He did a lot of work for a guy called Barry Fay who was really, really wrote some really, really heavy shit. But listen, um, can we just talk about something um, that's quite interesting? Yeah, I mean, um, absolutely, please. Okay. So um, there was a, uh, a lady in uh, a suburb in Sydney mm-hmm. and she lived uh, by herself. And for many years, she'd been experiencing some difficulty with her electrical system. Uh, back in the day, used to have fuse boxes. I know they've still got fuse boxes, but back, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, they had fuses and you'd pull the fuse out and you'd go down to the local hardware store and you could buy wire. And the wire was uh, rated. It came on like a sort of a... Like a spool? No, not a spool. It was like a, um, a, a cardboard sort of sheet, and it had, but it had various thicknesses of this particular wire uh-huh. because it depended on what fuse it was going into do you, do you know what a fuse is for uh it's the magic plug that keeps your house alive yeah but if the fuse uh, back in the day if you um overloaded a particular system yep. uh the fuse wire would melt and, okay. it, and the the appliances would shut down yep so you'd go outside open up the fuse box it was generally winter and and raining yeah and you'd use a torch and you'd pull the fuse out. Yeah, you had to pull all the fuses out to find out which one had... And you could clearly see that this wire had melted. Yeah. And this particular lady in this house 
She was having continual problems and a lovely neighbour decided to come over and fix it once and for all. Because he was sick and tired of her continually getting him to come over and fix the fuse. Okay. So what he did, he got a nail. A nail. And he stuck that in. And that became the fuse wire. Now, what do you think about a wire that's made of, supposed to be super, super thin, Mm. that when there's too much current going through it, it's going to overload. To stop a fire or or an explosion, the fuse wire melts, disconnects, cuts power. It's an amazing, it's an ingenious system. But a nail can't melt. Correct. So this this guy had, um, he'd got the shits with her and he decided to stick a nail in. And the good news for him, he never ever got called back because it never blew. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You with me? What are you thinking now? Um my guess is if you are holding a nail and you put it into a fuse, does that not send the electricity through the nail and into your body? No, no, no. You put the nail in where the fuse wire would go yeah. and you stick it back in the, the, the board yep. and then you just go on your merry way. Yeah. So it means that if she has any future problems with any electrical um, gadgets, they're not going to blow. The power won't go off. You with me? Yeah. So what he was doing with the nail, he was over... He was sort of bypassing all the safety rules so that it would never blow. Okay. Which is a double-edged sword. Yeah. So, years later. Years later? Yeah, years and years later. It's a long-term solution. Yep. Jesus. Years and years later. Okay. The, 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 there are no more problems with the appliances. Right. Nothing blew. She decides to take her own life. So, she hops in the bath and she... There used to be a type of... Uh, heater called the Speedy. That's S-P-E-E-D-I-E. That was a brand, yep. a radiator. I mean, I used to cook toast as a little boy by holding the toast on a fork and holding it really, really close to the heater. I did the same thing. Do you remember at our house? I would sit there. You would come home. I would have gotten those uh, the satay skewers, the wooden skewers. I'd be holding bread up, toasting it. We had a perfectly good toaster, but I was just I wanted to go camping and you wouldn't let but me. But was that electric or, or gas? Uh, that would have been... 
Probably electric. Okay. Yeah. So, what she decided to do yep. is that she hopped in the bath. She filled it up with water, hopped oh, in. Oh, shit, I know. I know. Okay, sorry. Continue. I've just figured it out. Go and on. And then she um, turned the heater on. Yeah. And then she dropped the heater in. Yep. To the bath with her. Mm-hmm. And it... Um, it didn't stop. It electrified her. Yeah. And then it began to boil the water. And it boiled it and it boiled it and it cooked her. And then, on a Sunday, her sons were coming around for Sunday lunch. Oh. And they could smell the most incredible roast. Oh, shit. They could smell the most incredible, beautiful, succulent meat cooking. And they knew that it was a ritual with the family that every Sunday was uh, time to have a Sunday dinner. Oh, my God. And they went inside and they're calling out to their mum. And there was no one in the kitchen. And weirdly, there was no food prepared, but they could smell something cooking. And they went into the bathroom. And the first son, when he got into the bathroom, he fell. He slipped on the fat because the it had, it, it had burnt and boiled and the nail stopped the heater blowing. Was it, meant to, so basically... The fuse is meant to trip and turn the power off when there's an overload. Instantaneously. Right? But what happens is the nail has ensured that the cook, cook the cooking process just keeps Kept going. going. So it was uh, just this, this two-bar speedy radiators in the water. Um, it's rolling And, it, and it's just, just, it just completely... And it... What, would you like me to sort of paint the scene? Uh, so just, well, just, just quickly, hey, listeners. If you're struggling with this, skip ahead a few minutes. If you're not... Here we go. <laughs> so, what happened was the the steam yeah. actually had a high fat content in it. So, it just coated the, the, the bathroom with like this layer of fat. And the 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 fluid level yeah. had gone down, I'm trying to give it in centimetres, maybe, let me think about this, maybe 30 or 40 centimetres. Jesus Christ. But what had happened was, incredibly, is that all the skin, all her skin had just fallen away, literally fallen off the bone. And so there, were the, there was a skeleton, like a bleached white skeleton in this soup, like a, like a, a, like a broth. Uh, <laughs> it's fucked up. And, but imagine the boys seeing their mum like that. How old were they? Such a bad story. How old were they? I'm not sure. Okay. They're adults. I'm just curious, where'd the muscle go? No, everything just completely cooked. Cooked. Muscle, it, organs, everything well, slowed off. Have you ever um okay, a really good analogy, get a leg of lamb, cook the shit out of it, then reach in with tongs and pull the bone, that main bone. And what happens? The meat slides off. Correct. Just slides away beautifully into the pot. You're holding the bone. And all everything else is left inside. Now, listeners, please don't think worse of me for for sort of laughing because it's no, how no, I cope. But it's trauma. Mm. This is not. We're not well here. We're not and um, yeah, and 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 I've and yeah, it, it was pretty pretty bad. So there was like a bloody oozy, fatty, meaty uh, sort of stock, yeah. like a brew, yeah, in the bottom, maybe only two inches. Uh, can you imagine that? So that's. That's that's amazing. I mean, what, that's what the she thing, was dead, by the way. 
Yeah, thanks for that. Although, having said that, you have been told that you had to once do a time of death, like a like a on, on a skeleton. On a skeleton. On, so, actually, not the full skeleton. Just bits of it. Just some bones. So, quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. Everything that this woman was. Yep. Was in the air around her, or in the bath beneath her. Correct. I know this is a... Now, I don't want to... I'm not into puns, Paul, but it was a speedy death. The brand of the heater? Yeah, I got that. You look very pale. Um, How do you think... I know this is... We're just impossible pie-in-the-sky stuff. How do you think the people who found the body, her sons processed that if they ever I don't did. think they ever ever could because I, I'm finding it hard to process I it don't, now I don't think you it would, gives me the creeps you would never recover because I can see her body in yeah. the bath well the bones yeah it's you, surreal isn't it how do you, it's incredible I know this is a silly <laughs> question how do you how do you um how do you start doing your job in a room like that well you've got to make sure you don't slip slip over yeah imagine ending up inside the bath with her isn't that and all- people might go what the fuck are you talking about but i was at the morgue we used to have this makeshift like a a special trolley yeah like a set of three or four stairs that were on wheels and your objective was to climb up those stairs and you'd have the body in front of you in it, all its horror these were generally bodies that were completely that had been run over by trains for example that were just fucked yeah and one of our top guys he arched forward and fell with his camera into the slops of a body that had been under a train. So he had his incredible camera that was worth about $10,000. You know what? I'm not worried about the camera. I'm worried about his psychological well-being at this point. Uh... I worked worked with a very famous... um, I saw this for my very own, through my very own eyes. When I first was taken into the forensic section to, you know, be shown around, I remember that there was a particularly wacky uh, elderly forensic expert. He'd yep. been there for at least 40 years. Mm-hmm. And this is really bad. Okay. He had a pair of fetuses on his desk. You know how some people have got lamps? Or a photo of their family? Yeah. yeah. He had a pair of fetuses Why? in jars and he'd named them. And then they had one on the left and one on the right side of his desk. Why? Because he was fucked up. What? what, what they were from a case he'd worked on right. years before. What did he name them? I can't remember. Okay. Is that... And that, that made me think. You know what? I don't want to end up like that. Yeah, and you think the longer you stay in a Definitely. job like that. Okay. Yeah, and as Dirty Harry famously said, and it's one of my favourite expressions, a man has to know his limitations. And by golly, I, I, I knew what mine were. Yeah. The t- the f- If you can ever go to a job, it's like when I did skydiving, a very wise uh, instructor said to me, he said, the day you jump out of a plane and you don't worry about what could go wrong is the day you stop skydiving. And the day in the police force where I thought, uh, this is not affecting me, Mm. that's the day you go, I'm out of here. You don't think that's when you can do your job well because you're... No, because I I like to think that... Because they're people. Yeah. And I like to be compassionate and... Yeah. 
Oh. I've heard that thing before of like, if you, if you, you shouldn't ever be okay with certain things. Mm. You shouldn't ever, like certain things are not normal and are not okay. And you can, you know, compartmentalize so you don't get traumatized by them, but you should also know what's going on. Um, okay, that was pretty intense. Uh, we have a question here um, from Rachel. Question for John and perhaps Paul. Sorry if it's a bit intense. Okay. Each week you guys tell really horrific stories and are often quite upset by them. I study history and I'm often confronted with the worst possible things human beings can and have done to each other. It has come to the point that these things have become almost run-of-the-mill to me. How do you maintain your compassion and not become jaded? Um, well, I think it's really important to tell these stories. Um, I do sometimes worry about any living relatives, you know, but we haven't had any feedback so far. Yeah. And then perhaps there are people out there that have heard various things and just perhaps thought, wow, I, I really wanted to, you know, maybe it's given some people some closure. Um, but whenever you're dealing with a human being, mm. whether alive or dead, um, look, it's you've got to be reverent. And um, I remember when I worked for a funeral parlour, I don't want people to think I'm sort of got this fixation with, with death, but I did work in the funeral industry as well whilst I was in the fire brigade. Yeah. And we had to once do a funeral uh, and there were no relatives at the funeral. And the guys, I was sort of in charge and we get to the uh, the crematorium uh, and a couple of the guys that I was with, like the pallbearers. Yeah. Um, and there was not one person turned up to this guy's funeral. Not one. And we were standing there and a couple of the guys kind of were a bit, you know, just mucking around. And I just said, guys, what the fuck are you doing? We have to, this is a special time for this poor person. We're the only people here. Let's at least be decent. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a, an aside. Yeah. So. But like when you tell these stories, um, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I think it's really important to like never lose sight of the fact that these are human beings we're talking about. Mm. These are real people that I don't think we have. I mean, the, the amount of deliberation, the amount of freaking out we do over like, are we doing the right, like, are we doing these people a, a justice? Are we talking about them the right way? We really try and approach this as respectfully as possible. But I think Rachel has a good point. Like, I think it's important to, you know, try and keep the humanity in it. Um, how do you not become jaded though? How have you, how have you not become jaded over the years? Because um, I can compartmentalize and I can use these situations to actually be empower, empowered. Yeah. So like, you know, I run on the soft sand every morning and go for a swim all year round and I just think it's great to be alive. And that's, yeah. And I'm, and I was, you know, they talk about glass half full, half empty. Yeah. My glass is overflowing. Mm. I have a, I have a sunny disposition and, a, and I'm, I have a good nature and, and yeah, and there it's important to be, um, you know, be good and compassionate and caring and be aware and, um, and I never take one day for granted ever. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be alive. I, yeah, I can tell. I love it. Do you, um, do you think talking about these stories with me on the show has, helped you put some of this stuff in perspective? Um, possibly. I have never really discussed them at all except with you. Mm. Um, but look, when we finish, when, when it's a wrap and, you know, I'll go out and, you know, go to the toilet, have a coffee, I feel I feel, I feel cool. I don't dwell on these things. Okay. Uh, which is good. And, and a lot of people do. But I don't. Yeah. Well, um, that was a pretty heady episode. We hope you're doing okay. Um, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units Season 2 Electric Blue. Um, 
If you haven't already got your copy of Loose Units, the book, what are you doing? Apparently, it's really good. Uh, you can grab it online. You can get it at Dimmicks. You can get it on Booktopia. I believe that's a really great way of getting it. Um, if you want to go to your bookstores and badger them and order the book, that's a good idea too because Christmas is approaching and it'll make a really great gift. Thank you so much for listening. Loose Units is a Pillow Talk production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.